Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, and welcome to the exciting, colorful, and sometimes bizarre world of Argentine tango. On this show, we'll be meeting tango instructors, event organizers, and musicians, and they are a fascinating bunch of people. It'll be a great time, and I hope you can handle it. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and thank you very much for joining us. Today's special guest has been teaching tango worldwide since 1998. He also directs a tango sextet and is a well-known bandoneon player. His studio, Tango Perretin, is located in the great city of Portland, Oregon. And with me now is Mr. Alex Krebs. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, I just want to dive right into it. So can you describe the moment when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? Um, I first heard Carlos Gardel uh, on the radio. I remember I was in California cooking, mm-hmm. and on NPR they, they featured music of Carlos Gardel, and it was his voice and guitar, and oh. it kind of it picked my interest, and uh, I bought a cassette tape that was back in the cassette days, mm-hmm. and I uh, listened to Gardel for about a year, oh. and then um, so I kind of fell in love with the music really mm. early on, but I didn't know about all the other orchestras or anything and then I took I was going to read college here in Portland mm-hmm. took a ballroom class and uh, thought ballroom tango was kind of the only tango out there and I always bugged the teacher that that's what I wanted to do and mm-hmm. and then uh, in the Bay Area I called someone said hey you know you have tango lessons he said well we do Argentine tango so you have to kind of start all over it's very different than ballroom and oh. I did that that was with Gary Weinberg and probably let's see 90 six I think 1996 okay uh, Gary Nirmala in San Jose California and um, yeah never did ballroom again and just continued so it was kind of the music and then fell in love with um, you know the the steps and mm-hmm. you know the aesthetic of tango and then six months later found, you know found like the connection and the lead and follow and, and the musicality a little more of the subtleties and then went to Buenos Aires and and well, Russ is history. <laughs> Teaching just kind of happened uh, as well, but but really the the music is what initially got me into okay. it, and then the then the steps, and then the connection. That's wow. like kind of three things that okay. Kind so of you you, you just into dove right into it. Excellent. So um, yeah. can you describe you like the very first class? What was what was it like? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember it pretty well. Um, there was a beginning class, and then an intermediate class, and then a practicum. There were maybe 15 people in the class or so. A mm. uh, friendly bunch. We started off by walking, and I remember we had to turn out our feet on the walk and hold a nice posture, and I was concentrating hard. And then mm. we, we may have practiced uh, front ochos on our own, and then we learned the basic eight, and I could do that. Um, I don't know. I wasn't stepping on toes. I can't imagine I was <laughs> leading it well, but people seemed friendly, and no one told me I was doing it horribly. So I thought, well, now I'll, I'll take the intermediate class because right. I finished the beginning class, and no one told me that that's not how you do it. And um, <laughs> I remember the second class was a molanete with a saccata, and I thought, wow, this is super cool, super fun. All right. <laughs> my poor my poor followers at the time that were <laughs> suffering through that, but. Um, but it was fun, and I had a friend, and we would practice um, mm. just outside in the yard, you know, just practicing the steps and putting on music, and 
it was neat initially yeah, to have that. And Gary and Wine, uh, Gary and Normala re really created a friendly environment, mm. um, encouraging, friendly. Never once was I told that you know you're doing it wrong. You know you have to do it like this. So it was just really um, a, a great, uh, a great warm nest that they created. Oh, that's nice. Nice. So, so the, the, would you say the dance came easily to you at first, or no? Well, all the classes I took, I remember I was able to do them. I mean, no one said it was great, and no one said it was horrible either. So okay. I, I don't really know. I mean, I'm sure I wasn't musical, and I'm sure my lead wasn't <laughs> that clear, but I could get through the steps. And then I remember um, my first time in Buenos Aires, I was taking a lot of classes with... Um, Chicho and Fabian Salas oh, at nice. a place called La Galleria, and that was mm -hmm. the first time that I took a class where I couldn't do where, what the teacher was asking us to do, and mm. I worked really well in those environments, and so I would go back to where I was staying and just practice and think about it, because it really frustrated me that I couldn't get it, but ah. that's kind of what I, what I needed. I needed to be challenged mm -hmm. you know, as, as a student. Mm -hmm. So I don't, um, you know, if you love something, it's it doesn't feel like work. It's right. Yeah, it's not. I don't remember it being so frustratingly difficult the mm -hmm. first year. You know, it was fun, and it, you know, it took concentration, and it was hard, but it was also super enjoyable. Just the process was what was fun. So it never felt like hard work. That you know, I never felt like oh, I'm never gonna get this, mm -hmm. and never felt discouraged. Okay, great. So can you describe your very first malanga? Um, well, I was going to those practicas. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, the first—I don't know—the first one that I went to, but I remember it's probably. I mean, the first one where I was kind of just showing up I, with the, that friend of mine that I was practicing with. Mm -hmm. We went in Cupertino, about an hour south of San Francisco, and we went to San Francisco to go to to Milonga. And I just remember it felt like everyone was watching me, and when I made a mistake, oh. I felt mortified like no one's <laughs> going to dance with me and it was it's just really embarrassing and mm -hmm. um, of course no one was watching I'm sure no one really cared <laughs> more or less but I, I don't know if I danced with anyone else besides my partner I was just kind of too mm -hmm. shy and and afraid but um, I remember feeling very self-conscious about my dancing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of our listeners can I can identify with that. Um, yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, they a, a lot of the audience that I'm targeting, they are just starting to come to milongas. I mean, they're just starting to feel that tango addiction set in. And um, other than other than observing basic customs such as you know floor craft line of dance and using the cabasil, so what advice would you give them to help make their milonga experiences more enjoyable? Well, I tell my students when you first go out, um, don't dance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> actually, um, not because you're not good enough or mm -hmm. by any means, but there's a whole social component to going out to the milongas that mm -hmm. I don't think uh, is always taught in in classes. You have to you have to get to know people and socialize with them. And so, you know, when you first go, plan to uh, watch a lot. Mm -hmm. Chat with people as much as you can. Be curious. You know why are they doing that? Observe uh, maybe aesthetic that you like, you don't like, because that will shape um, how your dancing goes. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you set out like I'm going to dance, you create a lot of pressure for yourself that you have to 
you know, either like as a leader, if you ask a follower and, and they turn you down, that's mm -hmm. traumatic. And if you ask a follower and they say yes, that's also kind of traumatic. So, <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't need to be traumatic. You like, mm -hmm. you, you can go and not dance at all or, or dance with maybe just the people in your class or people you know. Don't, you don't have to ask a whole bunch of strangers mm -hmm. to dance. It's, it's just going to be really stressful. Like, that will happen over time. It's better to, I think, Mm -hmm. create social bonds with strangers mm -hmm. and then it's a lot easier to dance with them because if you make a mistake or something goes wrong they're they're kind of um, you feel like it's not as big a deal it's less stressful you're less trying to prove yourself through yeah. the dance and it's more like they're on your side they're rooting for you if they know mm -hmm. you and I'll give the example there's one dancer in Portland mm -hmm. he showed up at the Milongas for a year never took a class never dance oh. and after a while people were curious like you know aren't you gonna dance you keep coming out and he's like no 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 I'm just watching and uh -huh. um, after a year everyone knew who he was uh -huh. friendly guy mm -hmm. and he started taking classes and he was great and everyone danced with him because everyone knew him oh. even as he was learning after a year okay you know so working on the, the building sort of social currency at the Milonga I think mm. is almost more important than you know, having super advanced technique. I mean, I mean, you want some basic skills, mm -hmm. but um, I think there's an almost an overemphasis that if you dance well, you will you will dance a lot, uh. and that's not necessarily the case. Like, go, you know, go with a group of friends out to dinner, dress nicely, show mm -hmm. up at the dance, sit at a table together so you can chat. Maybe you dance with them. Mm -hmm. Maybe you dance with one other person if you're Feeling, but don't don't go alone and sit there and feel all this pressure as a leader like I have to dance with a follower or as a follower sitting there waiting for a leader to ask you if nobody mm -hmm. knows you mm -hmm. I mean especially in larger communities it's going to be really hard to initially get a dance mm -hmm. and you don't want to sit there with a dark cloud over like no one's asking me oh. you don't want to sit there looking desperate for a dance either so <laughs> right. just like go, go with the group make it make it easy but really focus on trying to slowly build social bonds with people in the community. That would be my advice. All right. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be really helpful. So uh, what really good advice have you gotten from from your teachers? Um, about dancing or going out? Or um, we'll, we'll start with dancing. Or, let's see. Um, gosh, advice. It's a pretty open question. Yeah, yeah I think most of it is... Um, most of it, I mean, that I can recall mm -hmm. is sort of more technically related. Okay. I haven't, from my teachers, I mean, when I started, it was kind of more like, here's the dance, here are the steps, here's the mm -hmm. technique. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff around connection and musicality and social stuff really wasn't talked about mm -hmm. back then. So, gosh, I don't know in terms of... I remember El Pupo gave me the advice on okay. teaching. He said... Uh, he said, energia con los jóvenes y paciencia con los viejos, which mm -hmm. means like when you're teaching a lot of energy with like really young students, maybe college students, and, and patients with sort of the older crowds. Okay. Uh, it's a difference, I think, of way of learning that with the younger crowd, they want to learn by doing. Mm -hmm. and with an older crowd, they want to know what they're doing before they do it. Oh. So I remember that was kind of a succinct phrase that... Mm -hmm. Um, that I use when, when I teach. I, I teach differently depending on, mm -hmm. you know, who's in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, gosh, dance advice. 
I don't know, really off the top of my head. I can't think of any any particular things that. Well, that's okay. That's <laughs> that okay. Yeah, I know it's a it's a really it's a really broad question, but yeah, Purpo, he's he was quite a character, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll go down the channels of characters yeah. in Tango. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, how did you start teaching? Um, can you can you describe that journey? Yeah, um, I never set out to to teach tango. So I was going to read college, mm -hmm. uh, liberal arts private school here in Portland, mm -hmm. and um, studying physics and music. My plan was to graduate in physics and maybe go into computer science. Or mm -hmm. at one point, I wanted to write um, music for movies. And so then, you know, I discovered tango my freshman year. Wow. Um, sophomore year. I was still going, so I was after my junior year, I guess, uh, either my sophomore or my junior year, mm -hmm. I went down to Buenos Aires for two months and danced tango uh, 10 hours a day. Wow. I would wake up at 6 p.m., eat a plate of pasta, go to a three-hour class, go to Milonga till 6 a.m., go mm -hmm. to breakfast, go to sleep, and I was dreaming tango steps, and I mean, I was, it was, it was pretty, pretty hard, hardcore. I didn't even skip one day of... <laughs> Wow. Of dancing. And I came back, and at that time in Portland, mm -hmm. you only had the opportunity to dance. Um, there was one milonga a week, mm -hmm. there was only one teacher. So, you know, you can imagine if you're going from dancing three hours a week to dancing 70 hours a week, and I was, you know, whatever, 19 at the time, mm -hmm. um, you learn quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a kind of an intense experience. So I, I came back, and, and people said, oh, you know, can you give me a private? And I, I hadn't even considered that, you know. Mm -hmm. I, and so at first I was just kind of showing people what I knew, mm -hmm. um, not for any money or anything. And then I set up a practicum because so many people were asking me. Oh, um, nice. At Reed College, I, I had people come and, and I would say, okay, this is what so-and-so taught me. And mm -hmm. um, it was more like just transmitting the information that I had learned to mm -hmm. them. And then the PortlandTango.com website went up and... Um, Basically, everyone in the community was coming to what was like a class and then a practica. Mm -hmm. And then someone said, why don't you put a donation jar? You know, it's your time. And so donation yeah. jar, it was like, mm -hmm. you'll put in two, three bucks. And, and I thought, oh, this is like something I like doing. People seem <laughs> to enjoy what I, what I do, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I did that for a year while I was going to school, um, private mm -hmm. lessons and that Friday practica. And then... Um, then I graduated from Reed and was going to live in Buenos Aires for a year, nice. uh, study, and nice. come back and set up shop. But um, mm -hmm. after three months, I kind of got homesick mm -hmm. and um, came back. But in those three months, I was studying with a whole bunch of different teachers because I really just wanted to learn different ways of teaching mm -hmm. and different visualization, like, you know, how does so-and-so think about the dance? And so I was taking with lessons with everyone under the sun, as opposed nice. to the first trip I was Mm -hmm. Studying a lot with a couple by name of Damian and Nancy, who uh -huh. they teach mostly in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, with them and Chicho and Fabian, those are my kind of. I was just following all their stuff. Mm. The second time around, I was, you know, if it was a group class here, I would take it. Sometimes I'd take two or three group classes in a day just to. And some were terrible, and some were awesome. Yeah. And I just, I just took it all and went to milongas and practicas as well, and mm -hmm. even managed. Take a couple days and go to the north of Argentina. See, mm -hmm. that. <laughs> I think I was forced by a friend of mine to <laughs> go there. So we hitchhiked in the north and uh, mm -hmm. 
ways. Um, and then I came back and I set up shop. I started my milonga every mm -hmm. first and third Saturday. Started group classes, private lessons. Mm -hmm. um, and the plan was to do that for you know, do that for a little while and then go to go to grad school. But mm -hmm. in that one year, I mean, my milonga was popular. My group classes were popular. I was oh, starting nice. to get invitations to teach in other places in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So this was in '99. Mm -hmm. um, and then I took a trip to Europe and for the millennium, the 2000 New Year's, and people were like, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I just graduated, I'm teaching tango, and I said, oh, you know, would you be interested in teaching here? So I started getting gigs all over Europe mm -hmm. really quickly, and I remember Florencia Tacchetti, in, uh, she was in Minneapolis, she asked me to co-teach with her in Minneapolis, and at that time for me, Florencia was a teacher way above, like way out of my league, I considered it, you know, I remember kind of being floored that she asked me, and wow. so, you know, I was, with by 2001, I was, you know, all over Northern Europe, and all over the States, nice. and, um, there weren't a lot of American traveling teachers at that time, so, mm. you know, organizers knew, like, it's only one person to get a plane ticket for, and bring, mm. and he's easygoing, and he's a good teacher, and so I was, yeah, I was traveling a lot for about six, seven, mm -hmm. seven years. I was mm -hmm. um, every other weekend uh, on the road and probably, you know, at least one to three months teaching in Europe. Yeah. Uh, at my studio in 2001, I started learning bandoneon in 2001. Mm -hmm. I recorded... Now we've recorded six albums. Just stuff kind of grew exponentially with yeah. Tango. So grad, graduate school kind of got pushed, uh -huh. pushed right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, so as a as a college student, you went down to BA. You loved Tango that much. What did your peers think? And in in your family, were they kind of fascinated, or did they think you were crazy? Um, I remember my my dorm mates because I would I would print out pictures of like tango dancers and just post them down the the dorm hallways. I mean hundreds of tango <laughs> pictures. Nice. Listening to Piazzolla, so they're like, okay, like obviously tango is his thing. But mm -hmm. you know they thought it was. I think once I started teaching it and I was I was chatting with my dad. Yeah, he kept talking about you know how's physics going. I think mm -hmm. kind of wanted me to do physics because that might land me in a higher paying job. So right. just out of parental concern, you mm -hmm. know, which I understand now being a parent myself, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And your kid says, you know, I want to be a, a musician or an artist. You're like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a, a tough road, but. Mm -hmm. um, but after a while, you know, he he was he was supportive. I mean, he didn't say no, don't do it. Right, but, right. I mean, you know, you could tell his concern mm -hmm. and hesitation. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, my mom always thought it was cool, and my mom's always been a proponent for do what you love, you're passionate about it. So mm -hmm. it, it was nice to get support early on from friends and family. You know, mm -hmm. doing, no one ever said, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's uh, the wrong decision. And, I think had they said that, I wouldn't have listened to them anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just who I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you find having a degree in physics, um, you know, with knowledge of physics, does that actually help with uh, anything, with any aspect of tango? Yeah, I mean, um, I think the background, educational background I have, mm -hmm. yeah. I think is perfect for teaching tango. All I mean, right. I, I studied Spanish since sixth grade, mm -hmm. so I'm fluent in Spanish. Nice. Been a musician all my life, so I have a degree in music, so mm -hmm. I can really understand 
mm-hmm. the musical side of tango and I've carved a little bit of a niche with that, you know, yeah. with like musicality classes and stuff. If someone asks me a real geeky question, mm-hmm. you know, what is that rhythm and that orchestra? Like I have like, I know that really well. <laughs> so I feel like I'm not at a disadvantage. Like I can talk to musicians like musicians. Nice. Um, and the physics side, you know, I mean, seeing the dance as mm. a set of, you know, springs and mm-hmm. counterweights, stuff like that is also, you know, is helpful for, for teaching, especially to people that have a similar analytical mind. Mm-hmm. However, like when I dance, I'm not in my physics mind at all like yeah. it's not it's the furthest thing from that actually i'm really mm-hmm. like in my body and and out of my head i'm not thinking oh do i have my triangle and you know mm-hmm. i mean it's a good tool and interesting for teaching i think to give some clarity mm-hmm. to what's going on it's like when i learned it was you know a lot was like you know use more energy and forward intention and and words that like didn't really resonate with me like i didn't mm-hmm. know exactly what that meant uh-huh. And so it's nice to be able to use some physics base to provide some clarity, like uh-huh. what is energy and tango, mm-hmm. like exactly what is going on when we say forward and tension. Are we talking about bringing our weight forward mm-hmm. or keeping our weight neutral and having our body forward? I mean, there's a lot of different ways to interpret what mm-hmm. intention or energy or some of these looser words mm-hmm. might, might mean. But sometimes I use words like that because intentionally we want to have people kind of find... Mm-hmm. their own way you know yeah. um, at the end of the day it's not tango is not a, a math equation or a, mm-hmm. a physics experiment you know it's it's something really rich and, and emotional and and kinesthetic not mm-hmm. not mental but um but for me yeah just so yeah the music the physics and the spanish i think is like a perfect background all right um you know to to be equipped to be able to analyze and 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 see the dance from different perspectives, I guess, and, and to mm-hmm. be able to have concise ways of, of teaching. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, yeah, so I want to switch gears now to the, a little bit more to the musical side because you picked up the bandoneon. You didn't just dabble. You started your own group. I mean, you really went uh, deep into that as well. So, uh-huh. um, so being a tango musician, like once you started doing that how is how has becoming deeply involved with tango music changed or enhanced your connection with tango dancing well i think just musicians tend to dance tango differently than non-musicians um they hear the music in a specific way um it's not good or bad necessarily it's not better or worse it's just it's different because Mm -hmm. i don't know we're we're hearing specific things mm-hmm. maybe rather than hearing sort of a, a wall of sound and having it just move us emotionally like mm. we have that but we're mm. also kind of it's like looking at a painting and saying oh it's a beautiful painting but when you know the technique and the story of the artist it's just kind of like yeah uh, a different knowledge behind it um, okay but for me i don't know playing it i think it just helped me to understand the orchestras better mm-hmm. and how they and you know even things like like running a tango band is it doesn't pay <laughs> doesn't pay the bills at all mm-hmm. it's completely a labor of love and yeah. but when you look at some of the orchestras and like why like for example in the 1930s Darienzo had huge commercial success he was right. the most successful orchestra and it was great for dancing mm-hmm. 
And if you listen to all the other orchestras that were recording at that time, mm -hmm. they all shifted their style to sound like D'Arienzo. It's kind of mm -hmm. rhythmic, it's a little faster. If you listen to Bizarre from that time or yeah. Canturi from that time, all the orchestras are doing this kind of uh, fast, punchy sound, mm -hmm. I think, because if that's what's selling oh. and that's what's going to get you hired at the dance club, of mm -hmm. course, you know, that's, that's a variable in your decision where you're going to go because you want to put food on the table. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're a professional musician, you can't, unless you have a, a sponsor or something, you, you can't just do whatever you want and you like it, but no one else likes it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's a good hobby or a side job, but you can't, you know, to earn a living, you gotta, you gotta be able to reach people and they're mm -hmm. going to want to pay money to see you. And so on some levels you have to, give them mm -hmm. what they want, you know, in a way. Right. Um, so on that level, you know, being a band leader, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a lot of work, mm -hmm. you know, to sound like Bizarrely, like it sounds simple, quote-unquote simple enough, mm -hmm. but it's so hard to do what they were doing, even oh. though it might not always sound virtuosic. But mm -hmm. um, so it, it gave me more than anything just a new level of respect for for the really good tango orchestras mm -hmm. and how much work they had to put into just getting that quality of sound. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's really changed my dancing, say, or okay. I'm sure it's influenced it, but I, I don't know mm -hmm. any It's not like I do less saccadas now because I'm a tango <laughs> musician or, yeah. or whatever. You know? <laughs> Yeah. So um, I've always heard tango teachers saying there's there's always something new to tango, which is one of the one of the things that makes it so so wonderful. So even though you've had so much experience, having traveled all over the world to to dance and to learn, what's what's something new that you've learned recently? Well, I've learned to, I mean, at some point mm -hmm. there was a shift from you know. For me, because I, I was always thinking from my own dancing, how do I become more musical? And I've been asking that question for almost two okay. decades. Mm -hmm. And um, for the first decade or so, it was all about um, how do I hear the music better and do with my movement exactly what the music is doing, mm -hmm. you know, like turning the notes into movement kind of and, and interpreting the music very literally. And then at some point, there was a major shift where I kind of let go of that idea and mm -hmm and uh, started moving slower and dancing, kind of weaving through the music, what I call sort of a figurative interpretation, and it mm -hmm. really kind of hit me over the head, and you know, I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Yeah. Lately, I've been playing a lot with um, my own dancing, uh, redefining how I think of the axis, so mm -hmm. rather than trying to be perfectly balanced straight up and down over the foot with a little bit of forward, as we do in tango, mm -hmm. To actually be in sort of a constant, um, let's say this, it's like a fall. Okay. Still with the weight and the ball of the foot. It's kind of hard to describe without sort of showing yeah. or doing or feeling. But mm -hmm. but this was just in the last. I mean, it's something that I've kind of always done, and but I just now it's becoming very clear mm. exactly what it is. And this is within the last six months, you know. And so that's kind of fun because I I'm looking forward to teaching classes where I tell everyone, don't be on your axis and mm. <laughs> or, or fall, you know, fall, okay. let's all fall. And then everyone will be like, no, but we've been working so hard to be balanced and mm -hmm. explaining how 
the fear of falling is what's preventing us from being oh. balanced to begin with. So, okay. So that's kind of currently what I'm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very much into that, and um, I don't know what else. Um, learning how to roll in the embrace that was just in the last five years, okay. like in a way that really felt great mm -hmm. and that I understood really well in the body. I mean, it seems strange that I could go 15 years without mm -hmm. I was doing it, but I made a few discoveries that oh. really made it feel awesome. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Const like little things, they're yeah. they're kind of little dumb things. They're not like new steps per se. I, sure. think, I feel like I've gone gone through so many combinations of cicadas and baleos and ganchos mm. and volcanas. <laughs> Every once in a while, there might be some little thing, but mm -hmm. I'm kind of less interested in in that for okay. myself personally. You know, these days. All right, all right, great. So, uh, what are some future projects that you're working on? I'm working on an English tango album. Okay. Um, based on I have this pianist, tango pianist friend in Buenos Aires, Claudio Mendez, and he said, you know, how come you never do tangos in English? And mm. I said, well, because everyone would hate it, you know, <laughs> as soon as it started, you know, there's there's a bias already against that. Right. And he said, well, he, so he explained to me when rock and roll came from the States to Argentina in the 1950s, local, there were local Argentines that started rock bands, and they were, there were rock songs that they composed, mm -hmm. They would all sing in English, and mm -hmm. he said it took them about 15 years or so before mm -hmm. they started doing rock and roll in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And now, every rock and roll band from Argentina does rock and roll in Spanish. Nobody oh. does it in English. Mm -hmm. That would be weird to them, you know. Right, so he's right. like, "Well, the same is probably going to happen with tango. That, you know, there's this time nobody really wants to do it. They think it's cheesy, but mm -hmm. if you do it right." Mm -hmm. Other groups might start to do it, and then people will resonate more with, I mean, more people will be able to understand what's being sung about, because right mm -hmm. now I think the majority of tango dancers don't really know what, they, they don't understand the lyrics. They might get right. the gist of the story, but they don't really, Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't speak Spanish, so to have the, have the lyrics and the poetry and the delivery be more understandable, and maybe even updating the theme, so... Mm -hmm. Or maybe, let's say, the content. Because the theme of nostalgia, you mm -hmm. know, runs through tango a lot, and melancholy, and loss, yeah. and and love. And so to maintain those things, but sort of update the the content. Like, you know, like tangos that are about horse races and stuff like that. Right. Like not many people really go to horse races anymore. So mm -hmm. it's it's sort of this, it's a very foreign mm -hmm. concept of like, you know, my horse didn't win the race. And right. like, it's hard to empathize sometimes with, Sure. Stuff like that, but the feeling of love and loss and longing, mm -hmm. you can you can communicate that in English in a way that a modern listener might be able to understand. You just have to do it right. And the hard part has been for me is like I get the content, but the English language is structured and accented very differently than Spanish, mm -hmm. and so it's very hard to maintain on a musical level mm -hmm. the the phrasing and the flow of the language in English. So. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been working the last two, three years on trying to figure that out, mm -hmm. and it's um, it's it's difficult. I don't want to release an album that's just so-so. You know, I want right. to really do it right. And um, so that's one project on the burner. Mm -hmm. um, what else do I got? Um, I'm playing this guy who this uh, thesis at the University of Oregon. I'm I'm playing on that in November. So let's see, musical projects. 
Yeah, I think just that English Tango album right. is, is the main thing. Um, working on expanding my studio a little bit, trying to put a commercial kitchen and then close the backyard area. It's kind of taking kind of long term. Sure. Once, uh, my kids are in college, and mm-hmm. you know, how do I kind of grow the studio to exactly how I want it? And mm. there are some grants available, and so that's that's eating up a lot of my creative energy. Okay. Uh, um. And it's about between kids and running the studio and teaching and yeah. practicing. It's uh, there are no other huge grandiose ideas at, <laughs> at the moment. There are lots of little projects, creative fun things, but mm-hmm. I don't know. They're, they're not really worth mentioning. Sure. It's small. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, but that English English language tango album that sounds like a really really interesting project. So um, yeah, I'll definitely keep an keep an eye on that. So where can cool. we find more information about you online? So my website is alextango.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, apps for the iPhone and Android, seven volumes. It's just called Learn Argentine Tango. So there's that. I also have all that material in DVD format. Excellent. So you'll see there if people are interested in using those as a resource. And also teachers, you know, I know for me sometimes I need some inspiration. So I'll look on YouTube and... Mm-hmm. Say, oh, what do other what are other people saying about this? So okay. it's a nice kind of encyclop- encyclopedia of my what I think about different subjects. And it, okay. there's also um, it says uh, it has a page where you can preview like all my CDs. And uh, so we have six albums. One came out on vinyl as well. So oh wow, people have record players are into that. Um, mm-hmm. That's a really cool. It's kind of a fusiony album, sort okay. of rock, jazz, and, and tango meat and it's on white vinyl. The vinyl is super cool. It's also available uh, digitally and all my stuff is on Spotify. Okay. It's just that I have many different band names so if people are searching the first band I had was called Conjunto Beretin. Okay. Um, And then I did a project called Orquesta Electronica Beretin. Okay. Sort of foray into all right. Electronic tango. Yeah, I actually have some of those songs in my collection. (laughs) Yeah. And then I have the Alex... The Alex Krebs Tango Quartet, that's the name of another one. The Alex Krebs Tango Sextet is another one. Okay. And the vinyl album, the name of the group is What the Tango. So um, people can can search on Spotify or if they go on the website, they can preview and order it off CD Baby or iTunes. All right. It's kind of available everywhere. I did a couple music videos for the What the Tango album. Okay. One is called uh, Bohemio. Mm Mm-hmm. and again, it's what the tango, and the other one is que vuelva la juvia. Okay. Um, those are those are kind of neat. Actually, that guy I was telling you earlier that came to the Milongas for a year and didn't dance. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic video editor. He he made those two videos. Oh, um, nice. So those were fun projects to do yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, all all the apps, DVDs, CDs, it's all on Alex Tango. AlexTango.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll have that in our show notes, so we'll be able to look it up. Great. Super. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Alex. I know it's a a special day for your son's birthday, and um, hope you have a great time celebrating. And again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. All right. No problem. Thank you. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Wow. Alex has a very interesting backstory, and it's always neat to hear about how the love of tango can take someone on some remarkable adventures. As we progress on our own tango journeys, we'll also encounter memorable stories of our own. 
I'm sure there's a lot we picked up on during the interview, and what, what stuck out to me was Alex's approach to getting comfortable at Milonga's. Many others recommend diving right in, and, and that has worked for many of us, but Alex has a different approach worth considering. I liked how he recommended focusing on the social aspect of Milonga's, that we should observe and take time to get to know the people around us. Strike up a conversation, listen to other people's tango stories. So if you're shy at a milonga and getting out on the dance floor feels like too much pressure at the moment, try Alex's method. Build social currency first. Another thing that stuck out to me was that Alex is always open to letting his dancing evolve. For instance, he's trying a different approach to understanding balance and picking up on nuances of the embrace. Staying open to change, no matter how long you've been dancing, keeps tango fresh and exciting. And by changing your dance, it doesn't have to be anything drastic. It doesn't have to involve learning a new figure, for instance. It can be about gaining a deeper understanding of music or a small adjustment in, in a certain kind of movement. So thank you again, Alex, for giving us plenty to think about, for sharing your stories, and for your time. And to all of you listeners, thank you again so much for tuning into Joe's Tango Podcast. If you enjoyed this program and you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star rating, a positive review, and remember to subscribe. It just takes a couple seconds. That does a lot to help more people find this podcast. And of course, sharing this with your friends would also be lovely. I truly, truly appreciate your support. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every week. I'm Joe Yang. Talk to you again soon. Thank you.